everyone, and welcome to the Southcliff Podcast. We're glad you're here. Listen now to our surf pastor, Dr. Elliot Higgins. My name is Elliot Higgins. I'm a surf pastor here at Southcliff. Dr. Marr, our senior pastor, he is out today. He's doing well, but I am here in his place, and it is a joy to be with you. Today, we celebrate what, at least in Christian circles, we call Palm Sunday. Palm Sunday is one of those days that we kind of speed bump over getting to Easter, that resurrection moment. But the things that take place on this day that we celebrate are equally as important. In fact, we recognize, according to all the different gospel accounts, this would be the time that Jesus rides into Jerusalem on a donkey. And all of the disciples have their palm branches, they're taking their cloaks off, throwing it on the ground for this donkey, carrying the Messiah into Jerusalem, and they are rejoicing. They are thanking him and praising him. And it's in that spirit that we gather here today. You see, there is something about this ride into Jerusalem, riding on a donkey, that impacts every detail of your life. Now, how in the world can a donkey ride into Jerusalem 2,000 years ago make any difference in each of the details of your lives? That's a good question. And that's the reason why God brought us together today. I'm glad that you asked. See, that donkey ride into Jerusalem marked the beginning of the end, which was the beginning of the end. It was the beginning of the end of Jesus' earthly ministry. He was moving into Jerusalem with full knowledge that his days were numbered. We were down to just a matter of days before he'd be nailed to the cross. And once that happened, it marked the beginning of the end of all of that hopeless despair that we as a people experienced because he brought us into fellowship with God. He paid the sin debt. He allowed us to cling to him in strength. It marked the beginning of the end. Now, tomorrow morning when you get in your car, you start it up and you're headed to work, and people start cutting you off, and there's an accident on the highway, and I'm going to be late to work, and the frustration begins to boil over, you're going to think, in the midst of all of this struggle, I'm sure glad Jesus rode in on that donkey 2,000 years ago. How does that impact me right now in this situation? You get to work and your boss is gonna throw some papers on your desk and say, we lost this client because of you. The quality control failed. We didn't make the product the way that it should have been. This person called and complained about something. We're gonna need you to work overtime. There is some issue that's gonna hit you and in the midst of what you thought would be a normal week, you're gonna remember, oh yes, Jesus rode into Jerusalem 2,000 years ago on a donkey. I'm sure glad that impacts me right now. You're going to finish your work day. You're going to come home on your way home and say, well, what are we going to have for dinner? Do I have that in the freezer? Is it in the refrigerator? Do I need to stop by? What am I going to do to feed my family? Do you know what? Jesus rode into Jerusalem on a donkey 2,000 years ago. You finish your dinner. You put the dishes away. You sit down for a little R&R after a hard day and your son comes in saying, Dad, I know it's 15 minutes to bedtime, but I didn't do my math homework, I need help. You know what, son? Jesus rode into Jerusalem on a donkey. 
2,000 years ago. This story, believe it or not, impacts every detail of your life. And you may have come here today with a heavy, heavy heart, filled with despair and depression and fear and anxiety. There may be family struggles, financial issues, work issues. It does not make any difference. You came with all of that heaviness and God brought you here to remind you of a simple truth that happened 2,000 years ago on a donkey ride into Jerusalem. Matter of fact, in our time together, God is going to reveal four key elements of this donkey ride into Jerusalem that touch the fabric of every detail of your life. Now, it may be all four of those things that he's speaking to you through, or it could just be one. I don't know, but what I do know is God reveals some truths to you and I to remind us of all that God had planned for us from the foundation of the world. And he intends to touch every moment of your life, and this story is one of those. So look with me, if you will, to Luke chapter 19. Luke chapter 19, we begin in verse 28. Matthew, Mark, Luke. Now one of the things that we see in this story is it picks up after something else had already finished. And we're going to see that it kind of bridges there. And what it's telling us is that Jesus has begun this journey into Jerusalem sometime back. In fact, he is coming out of Jericho, and he is headed now to Jerusalem. We're looking also at the beginning of the Passover celebration there in Jerusalem. So people are coming from all over the place to be here at this time. And we pick up at that moment as he is making this triumphant entry, as we call it. Luke chapter 19, beginning verse 28. Now, I'm reading from the English Standard Version. You may have a different version, and that is okay. Every translation is trying to capture that original language and make it clear to us. So just follow along with me the best that we can. They're all saying the same thing. Watch this. And when he said these things, he went on ahead. This is Jesus. Going up to Jerusalem, he drew near to Bethpage into Bethany at the mount that is called Olivet, the Mount of Olives. He sent two of the disciples saying, go into the village in front of you, where on entering you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever yet sat. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? You shall say this, the Lord has need of it. So those who were sent went away and found it just as he had told them. And as they were untying the colt, its owner said to them, why are you untying this colt? And they said, Lord, the Lord has need of it. And they brought it to Jesus and throwing their cloaks on the colt, they set Jesus on it and he rode along. They spread out the cloaks on the road. As he was drawing near already on the way down to the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen saying, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees of the crowd said to him, teacher, rebuke your disciples. He answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones will cry out. I'm gonna pause here for a minute and look back at the very beginning. And when he had said these things, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem. 
This is painting the picture, that, that word picture that he is weaving together for us. Jesus had been teaching the people along the way. He has left Jericho, and he's on his way up to Jerusalem. Now, if you were leaving Jericho, you would recognize Jericho is much warmer in climate than Jerusalem because of its elevation. Herod had a winter palace there. If you were looking on the road out of Jericho, there was these rolling limestone hills. It's very barren, very desolate, very warm. And Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem knowing that he is days away from being beat on, spit, hit, whipped, and nailed to the cross. Jesus knew this on this desolate road, and it is uphill, 3,500 feet elevation change that he is doing on his way to Jerusalem. By the way, there's a crowd of people that are pressing around him. They have seen him do miracles. Blind Bartimaeus, the blind man on the way out of Jericho, the one that everybody told him to shut up as he called out to Jesus. His eyes were restored. He jumped up and followed him. He is here as well. There's no reason to believe that there are not so many other disciples, lepers that have been healed, demoniacs that the demons have been cast out, blind people that can see are now with him on this road. He is headed to Jerusalem. What the disciples see, this great Passover feast but Jesus knows that darkness looms. He's going up to Jerusalem, knowing that he is going to face his death. What's interesting to note is even though the disciples are expectant, Jesus knew what was coming because your name was written on his heart and your face he could see in his eyes as he headed to the cross, knowing what was coming. Setting the stage, when they drew near to Bethpage and Bethany, which is called the Mount of Olivet, the Mount of olives. What's interesting here, I cannot get a clear picture of how many people are pouring into this area. Estimates range from an additional 200,000 people up to a million people are coming to Jerusalem for this Passover festival. Hundreds of thousands of people are coming here, and they are coming with the expectancy of seeing this this culmination, this sin offering, this celebration that God has given them. And Jesus is coming to this mountain. And as he stands on this mountain, the Mount of Olives, you can see all of Jerusalem. And he begins, he sends two of his disciples saying, go into this village in front of you. You're gonna find a colt tied of which no one has sat. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks, just say the Lord has need of it. Now, if you notice something, Jesus is in command of every detail here, even his location. We're going to see that play out as we continue reading. But the commands that Jesus just gave his disciples, you, he sent, go, untie, and bring. That's what he's telling his disciples. Jesus is in command of the entire thing. He sent untie, go, and bring. These four words. He is also in command of the timing. All of this brings us to our first point that God is reminding us. You'll see it on the screen that God is in command of every detail. Jesus didn't just stroll into Jerusalem from happenstance. He came with a command and an authority. 
He had command of his disciples. He had command of this donkey. He had command over the owners of this donkey. He had command even of the location and the timing and the Passover feast. Everything was woven together. He was in command of every bit of this. We also recognize that for some reason he had the ability, because he was God, to know where this donkey was going to be at the moment that he was going to be. And he sent them to that donkey, knew the history of that donkey. Earlier this week, I was at DFW Airport. I had flown to Kansas City for ministry endeavors. And one of the things that, that I recognized when I got to this terminal is I could not fit my truck in any of the parking garages at this terminal. It was strange. I don't have a lift kit. There's nothing fancy about my truck, but I couldn't fit there. So I went to the next one, same thing. After going halfway around the world trying to find another parking spot, I found my way to the one-hour parking, and you go down another level and up another level, and now you're on the rooftop of this parking garage. I parked my truck. I'm excited because me and three other people in the world know how to get here at this point. So as I'm looking around, I drop a, a pin in my phone so I can find my way back to this mess. I also begin to take pictures. I may know where my pin is, but how in the world do I get there? I'm taking pictures of my journey to the terminal so I can find my way back. You and I have a great way of parking or storing an inanimate object that doesn't move and having a struggle finding it when we get back to it. Where did I leave my keys? I put them where I wouldn't forget them. Now, where was that? Where's my purse or my wallet? I set it where no one else would find it and I'd know exactly where it is and I have no clue where that thing is. We are good at losing something that is not good at getting lost. It doesn't go anywhere. God is coming from Jericho. He has no contact with these people and he knows where they are, when they're gonna be there, what kind of animal this is, what the, the heart condition of the owners, they're going to ask this question, what to respond, and he allows this to happen. Jesus is in command of every single detail all the time. Now, it's possible that the Lord brought you here with a heaviness of heart, you are going on this thing called life like a hamster on the wheel and you are flustered and anxious about the things in your life. How am I gonna make through this? How am I gonna deal with this? What's the next step? And God brought you here to remind you that he is in command of every single detail. There is not one thing that he missed. There's not one thing that came as a surprise to him. And he wants to remind you he is in command. He doesn't stop there. He sent these disciples, go, untie, and bring. All of these things, and even the location, leads us to the second thing that God is revealing about this donkey ride into Jerusalem. And that is, number one, God is in command, but number two, God keeps his word. If you notice, when he dispatches these disciples and they come back, it says that everything he said, it came about. It came about in the exact way that he had told them, just as he had told them. But once more, not only is it in this moment that he is keeping his word, go do this and you're going to see this and it plays out the exact way. But recognize the timing. We're at the Passover festival. Where is he located? On the Mount of Olives. Where is he coming in? From the east of Jerusalem. 
How is he coming in? They're waving palm branches and throwing their cloak. People of God, every one of these details is fulfilling prophecy that had been written in some cases 600 years prior. Zechariah, Isaiah, all of these are declaring these details and the people of God would have recognized this because it was recorded in their scriptures. Not only is Jesus in command of the moment, but God is fulfilling his word not only in the present tense, but also from the prophecy of old. Everything that God says about himself and everything that God declares he will do, he does. It may be instantaneous, it may be 600 years later, it matters not. God fulfills his word in every instance. And you may be here today saying, how in the world am I gonna face this week? Man, there is a lot of stuff in my life and I'm not sure how I'm going to work through this. Perhaps the Lord brought you here today to remind you that he is faithful and true in everything he says. And perhaps just clinging to the promises of God is what God wants you to do as you face that uncertainty. And he reminds us that God keeps his word, both the prophetic in the moment, in the present tense, in the future reality. Things we may dismiss and say, they've been saying that about God for hundreds of years. I haven't seen it to be true. But yet, it will be soon enough. So they've got this donkey. Go untie and bring this donkey. You're gonna find him tied there. The people are gonna ask, why are you untying this? Just tell them that the Lord has need of it. So we recognize that God is in command. God keeps his word. And third, we see God includes people in his work. This is a fun one. Because what we see is two disciples that he dispatches, says, I want you to go do this. Their answer obviously is, okay, yes, Lord, I'll go get that donkey. We see that the owners of the donkey come out, and they say, what are you doing? And he says, the Lord needs it. And they say, okay, yes, Lord, whatever you need. A simple act of obedience puts all of this in motion. God chose to use people to accomplish some great eternal things. God did not need the disciples to go get that donkey. He could have done it himself. He could have had the donkey come to him. He could have had the owners deliver it. He didn't need to ask permission from the owners for this donkey. He didn't even need to give them reasons, but God included these people in this story. Understand this, people of God. Every element of this story in this great entry of the Messiah, King of Kings, Lord of Lords, that is king over everything, as he walks into Jerusalem on the back of this donkey, all the eyes of heaven are watching this moment with great expectation of the king of kings stepping out of eternity and walking into his promised land of Jerusalem, where that temple is, where God has instituted all of these things. Everybody is watching this moment, and God chose to use these people it seems like a very simple, small thing, but because of their yes, Lord, and they went and did this, they got to participate in one of the greatest eternal things that have ever happened on the face of the earth. Sometimes in our life, in the midst of all the busyness and the hardship and the struggles and the pain and the suffering, we wonder, Lord, how in the world, I wanna see big things happen and God has a knack of using some of the smallest acts of obedience in our life 
to create some of the most profound, eternal things in the kingdom of God. A simple, yes, Lord, I'll go get that donkey, brought about a story that has been speaking into the lives of countless millions of people for thousands of years, and we're still talking about it today. A simple, yes, Lord. God includes people in his work. You may be looking at yourself today and have walked in these doors, joined us online, saying, God can't use someone like me. I am not a mega church pastor. I'm not a missionary. I'm just doing what I'm doing. And I'm, I'm not good at the eternal things that God has in store. But I want you to understand there was not a mega church pastor on the pages here. There was not a missionary. These were just two disciples that went in and said, yes, Lord, I'll get a donkey for you. A very simple task. And God has been drawing people to himself through this whole thing. A simple act of obedience. God includes you in that. And you have no idea how far that will carry into eternity. So he's got his disciples. They've sent and got this donkey. The Bible says that it is exactly as they had seen. And they brought it to Jesus in verse 35. In throwing their cloaks on the colt, they set Jesus on it and they rode along. They spread their cloaks out. As he was drawing down, the whole multitude of disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen. When Jesus is entering into Jerusalem on this donkey, he is sending a lot of signals, even prophetic ones. But he is sending the signal of the the fourth point that God brought you here to remind you of this, that God is approachable and welcoming. There is no king who is coming into his kingdom with power and prowess. There is no king that's going to ride in on a donkey. They are going to have a white horse. They are going to have their army. They're going to have trumpets and banners. And all of the people are going to be forced to see this. They are going to come out on the streets. This is a big deal. Jesus, even though he is king of kings and lord of lords, he comes in without all of that. Not a conquering army, not with the trumpets blasting, but by the voice of the disciples declaring what he has done to serve them. He is riding in on a donkey. The prophetic implication is that it is lowly and humble. He is declaring to you and me and everybody who watches this that you can come to me and I will carry the weight that you are carrying on your shoulders. I am a God who is welcoming and I am a God who does not neglect those who come to me. I am not unreachable. I have made myself available to you. He came as a servant. And you may be here today struggling with all kinds of anxiety and wondering how can God do anything in my life. And God simply reminds you that I am welcoming and I am approachable. And he may be reminding you of that today, that you have put him off thinking he could never use someone like me. I don't have what it takes to approach you You're right, none of us have what it takes to approach him, but he approaches us, and he has allowed us to come. God is approachable. God is in command, God keeps his word, God includes people in his work, and God is approachable and welcoming. That's what we see about this simple donkey ride into Jerusalem. But that simple donkey ride into Jerusalem isn't so simple. It marks the beginning of the end 
of his earthly ministry, which marked the beginning of the end of our hopelessness and despair of us being separated from God. Because of this write-in and what he did shortly thereafter, he has included us and given us a power and a strength in the moment that we can cling to him. We know he is in command. We know he keeps his word. And we don't have to back up or run away from the issues. We know that God is working in them even greater than we can. And today he brought you here to remind you, maybe of all four, maybe of just one, that I'm at work. I am in command. I keep my word. I include people like you. There is not one little detail that you think is insignificant in my kingdom. One little act of obedience can speak to multitudes of people. And God is, a, is approachable and welcoming. That's what we see with this Palm Sunday as they begin to praise him. Now, here's what we're going to do in our time together. We recognize that, that they said, Scripture says this, as he rode down, verse 36, they spread their cloaks out on the road, and they were rejoicing and praising God in a loud voice for the mighty works that they had seen. Today, we're going to partake in what's known as the Lord's Supper. And we're just going to, at the beginning, we're going to reflect on that, the things that we have seen. God is reminding us of all the work that he has been doing and all the work he is still doing in our life. And we're going to take a minute, and we're going to celebrate that as the people of God. If you're our guest, I want to welcome you here. There's nothing crazy about what we're going to do. We're going to walk you through this. And what you're going to see is we don't believe that you have to be a member of Southcliff to participate with us, a member of this specific church. But we do ask that you are a member of the Church of Christ, meaning not that denomination, but that you have put your faith in Jesus. It's not a matter of the denomination. It's a matter of a heart decision. And we ask that we participate with people all over the world today, remembering the power of God in our life and celebrating that. So I'm going to ask the deacons to come forward, and they're going to prepare to serve you. Now, the men that come forward and stand in front of these tables, I want you to get a look at them. They serve our church in a hundred different ways. You there's not a hundred of them up here. You're right. They are worthy for you to just say hello to them, get to know these guys. And we're going to serve the first element. I'll, I'll, I'll explain more as we go. But this first one is a piece of bread. And when Jesus instituted what we're going to participate in, he passes this bread amongst his disciples. Now, who's here? We are disciples of the Lord. He's speaking to those who believe in him. And he passes this bread around and he says, this is my body. It's symbolic of the work that he has done, that he has come into the world, that he has worked through the lives of so many people. So when you get this wafer, when you get that, I want you to look at it. Don't eat it. We'll eat it together in just a minute. But I want you to reflect as these did this work of God in your life. They are rejoicing and praising in verse 37 for all the mighty works they had seen. Perhaps you need to reflect back on the time that God first saved you and called you his own. Maybe it's something God has been faithful in throughout the years of your life. And I want you to look at that and reflect on that as we continue today. Far away, 
it says in this passage, the whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen, saying, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven, glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, teacher, rebuke your disciples. And he answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. God is good. And his goodness does not begin or end with this donkey ride into Jerusalem, but he declares to you that he is in command, that he includes people like you. He is welcoming. And we look at all of the stuff in our life, the things that you bring in here and online, and we just reflect on God's goodness. Lord, you have been good to me, and I will not let a rock take my place in praising you. Take this bread and eat. This next part, he actually leads in a warning. So he gives us that, but then he says, when he drew near to the city, he wept over it, because he knows what's coming. Verse 42, saying, would that you, even you, had known on this day the things that make for peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes, for the days will come upon you when your enemies will set up a barricade around you and surround you and hem you in on every side and tear you down to the ground, you and your children within you. And they will not leave one stone upon another in you because you did not know the time of your visitation. He entered the temple and began to drive out those who sold, saying to them, it is written, my house shall be a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of robbers. As he was teaching daily in the temple, the chief priests and scribes and principal men of the people were seeking to destroy him, but they did not find anything they could do for the people were hanging on his words. What we see here is Jesus is giving a warning. It's not a sarcastic warning because you reject me, you're going to suffer the consequences. It's not sarcastic. Because the whole purpose of what Jesus is declaring to them is that life itself comes from God. Anything good, joy, happiness, Peace, all of these things come from God. And the moment we reject that, we reject God, these things are elusive. And he's giving a clear picture saying, you are rejecting the things of God. This is what's coming. And so this next part is a reflective part for us. Jesus took this cup and he passed it to his disciples. He says, I want you to take this. This is symbolic of my blood, the blood of the covenant. Why is that important? It's important because his blood is the covering for the sin. For us going away from God, rejecting peace and hope and future and all of the things that our heart yearns for, we reject. And it's the sake of this blood that allows us to cling to it. God wept over them because he knew that they were rejecting. But God doesn't weep over us because we are believers and he has a plan that is going into eternity for us. So as we pass this around, take this and look at it and remember the sacrifice that Jesus made for that sin that separated us and put darkness on our horizon. But God didn't let that horizon stay dark. He shed his blood for you, for hope and strength and a future.
invite you to thank the Lord together as we sing.
Though this is just a tiny little cup, the significance of this is beyond our comprehension. God, the King of kings and Lord of lords, in the heavenly places has multitudes of angels singing his praise. It's the most beautiful place the mind of God could ever envision, and it is the most wonderful place the hand of God could create. He left all of that to come here and ride a donkey into Jerusalem. But because of what he did, and because of his love for you, and because of the sacrifice that he made, we gather together and say thank you. We remember all that you have done. Take this and drink. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you so much for all that you've done. That ride into Jerusalem, Lord, all of the details that you've orchestrated just so that we would know you. We thank you for your love. Thank you for allowing us to, to gather our confidence in you, that you're in command, you use people like us, that you have a plan, Lord. And I just pray that you remind every man, woman, and child here that you love them and that you are in control of every detail. Or whoever they may be, you know. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. everyone at Southcliff Church. Thank you for joining us today. If you would like more information about Southcliff Church, please go to southcliff.com to share a testimony of how God has encouraged you through this ministry. Send an email to scpodcast at southcliff.com. That's scpodcast at southcliff.com. Click the Give button on our webpage to discover how this ministry is supported. Your financial gifts help accomplish the mission God has given us.